That means he exists everywhere. Now, when we say God is omnipresent, we often think that means, oh, he's everywhere right now. That's not what it means. Omnipresent means he's present in all of time and before time began. And when time ceases, he's present. Not he will be present in the future. He's in the future. He doesn't know future because he's not bound by time. He doesn't know the past because he's not bound by time. He is. The Bible says of God, he is from, it doesn't say he will be, it says he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the eternally existent one. It's hard for us to put our minds around. But this is why you and I can pray about our past. To us, it's our past. But he exists there. He is. You and I know 1997, well, some of us. You and I know 2020. Make sure we get more of the people included here. But to us, 2020 is the past. It's not to him. It's not the past to him. He is. He fills. You can't go somewhere that God is not. He's already there. When you and I get this revelation of the ever-present God, we pray differently. How is it that he can be called a restorer? How does he restore something that was lost? We make the statement, well, you can't change the past. True. But he can. Some of you don't believe that. I'm not saying you. He can. He can change the past. He's a restorer. He said in Joel 2, I will restore to you the years that have been stolen. He said in the Psalms, he is a restorer of the soul. He restores. How can he restore something from the past? It doesn't just mean he fixes stuff now. He takes that. If you read it in Joel chapter 3, he said, I'll restore to you the years. He didn't say, I'll restore what was lost during those years. He said, I'll restore the years. He's a restorer. How can he do that? He is the I am. How is it he can affect your future? Because to you and I, it's our future, but he already is. He exists there. I'll tell you something. I was praying for someone. I've been praying for him for years. I didn't even know who I was praying for. I just knew I was praying for him. 
I'll explain that some other time. Sometimes I pray for people I don't know who I'm praying for. I know God's leading me to pray for something, but I don't know who they are. Unknown to me, I'm praying for them. Been praying for them for years. I learned recently who I've been praying for for years. This might sound strange to you, but I'm telling you, I know exactly what I know. I've been praying for them for more than 28 years. The Lord's led me to pray for them. Didn't know. But I've been praying. The Lord led me to know recently who I was praying for. And I realized the person I've been praying for hasn't even been alive 28 years. Tell me that ain't strange. They hadn't even been alive 23 years. So I've been praying for them more than five years before they were ever even born. But when the Lord let me know who I was praying for, this is what the Lord said to me. I heard every prayer. And before I formed them in their mother's womb, I knew them. And your prayers affected how I formed them. He's the I am God. He is the I am God. Do you think God would listen to your prayer and affect the forming of a life before the life ever becomes a thought to its parents? Yes. How can he do that? He's the I am. God knew Mateo before Rigo and Denise ever knew they were expecting a baby. He was forming already. We're bound by time. He sees through time because he exists in all of time and outside. And he said, in their limited understanding of time, I'm going to bring this child to them. But I know when that child is born, I will have put in his DNA. I will put in his nature that which will be needful for all I will ever do with that child's life because I knew him before I formed him in his mother's womb. And so I can pray and affect the forming of a life. And then God in his infinite care and love can come to you and I and say, as a parent, I trust you with this life I've formed. The Lord knew the challenges you would face with Tomas. He formed him. Before you knew him, he formed him. And everything that's needful for that child God put in him. And he entrusted you as parents to continue to nurture your child and what's put in them. 
You say, oh, I just don't see hope for my child anymore. Some of you got older children. <laughs> you can go back in time in the spirit. Some of y'all thinking I'm weird. That's okay. I don't care. I know what I know from the word of God. I know what I believe about my God. You can go to a place of prayer and you can begin to call their name in prayer. See, the enemy wants to condemn us and beat us up. Man, I miss this as a parent. Oh, I should have done that as a parent. Why didn't I do that? That may be true. That, guess what? If you're a parent, that's true of every one of us. So you know what you do? I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to get answers to that. Here's what you do. God, forgive me. Forgive me where I missed the mark. And God says, okay, I forgive you. And then you pray, Lord. Now that which you intended for my child, I pray that by the power of your spirit and your word, you who is the I am God, reach into their life and begin that work that you intended all along and help me to know and do my part in it that they come to walk in the fullness of your plan for their lives. Is this making sense to anybody? Would you pray right now? I'm praying faith. Maybe it's a prayer of repentance first because you've been carrying that guilt and condemnation. Guilt about missing the mark. I should have, could have, would have. Why didn't I? Well, you and I can't go back and change it. But God can affect a work in a life when we pray. And so we pray, not in our ability. We don't pray in faith in what we can do. We pray in faith in a living God who is the I am that can do anything. In the name of Jesus, I pray for that child. In the name of Jesus, I pray the forming, the shaping of that which was broken, that which was not formed at the time it should have been. As long as they're breathing, there's still hope. And so, God, I pray in your infinite mercy and love and wisdom, I pray the shaping, the forming, the fashioning, the taking of those experiences that seem so bad or terrible or wrong. I pray the taking of those experiences as you did in Joseph's life and use them for good. Turn it for your purpose and your Glory, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We must learn to pray from a position of faith in the Word of God. Rather than a position of human doubt in the lies of the adversary. Declare the word of God. You say, well, I don't have that kind of faith. I didn't either at one point. I just read the word. I just decided somewhere along the journey, you know what? I do believe the word. We want to make it more complicated. Well, when, I wish God would come and woo, then I'll have that faith. Read the word. Believe the word. Then declare the word back to him. God, I believe your word. Help my unbelief. I believe your word. 
stand on your word. I trust in your word. I pray according to your word. I pray because of my faith in your word. I pray because you're God and your word says that your, your ear is open to the cry. Of your, so I pray according to the word. I pray trusting and knowing your ear is open. You hear my cry. I may not know the answer, but I know you are the answer. pray in faith until I see the desired end. Don't quit. Keep praying. Jesus told the story of the, the woman and the unjust judge. She kept coming. She kept coming. He, he was an unjust judge. And the Lord said, what's he going to do here? The just, unjust judge said, you know what? Because of her continual coming, I'm going to grant her a request. Her persistence. She just kept coming. Now, he said, this is an unjust judge. But because she just kept coming, the word that's used there is importunity. Importunity is just keep coming. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. You know what it means to just keep coming? It means I still got faith. Hadn't happened yet, but I know he's able, so I'm coming back to the one that's able. 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 Amen? You know, if you... My kids, when they were younger, if, if they needed money, they might ask mom. But they usually knew, go ask dad. Well, mom knew to go ask dad, too. It wasn't that I controlled it all that way. But mom knew, hey, this is where the money's at. Now, wouldn't it be silly if they were like, well, no, I'm not going to go ask dad. Maybe I'll, I'll go ask the beggar on the street. Maybe he'll help me out. Maybe I'll go post my plight on Facebook and somebody will feel sorry for me. And then that would make dad do something. No. What we do, we take our need and we keep bringing it back to God because we know, God, you have what I need. You are well able. You're well able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or even think according to your power that works within me. And so I'm coming to you again. Your continual coming is not an expression of doubt that he didn't hear you the first time. That's what the adversary wants you to think. Well, I already prayed about it. I, you know what? No, I prayed before. Hadn't happened yet. God, I'm coming back again. I'm not doubting you. I know you're hearing me. I'm coming back again because it hasn't happened yet. Now, I want to make sure you haven't forgotten what I'm asking. You say, well, God doesn't forget. He sure doesn't, but he sure likes to be reminded sometimes too. Now, there's things I've come to the Lord about, and I've prayed once, and I felt a release, and I'm like, it's in your hands. I'm done. But there's some things I just keep coming. I keep coming. There's stuff I haven't seen yet. I'm praying again until. 
It's an expression of my faith in him. That he hears me. That scripture about the unjust judge, the Lord said, how much more, I'm paraphrasing, would not the God of all the earth, wouldn't he step in? And he said he will avenge his elect speedily. And interesting. Well, hold on a minute. If she keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, but you're going to do it speedily. That doesn't sound speedily. Sound like it's taken a while. No, here's what you got to get. You keep coming, you keep coming. And humanity says nothing's changing, nothing's changing. And then when you least expect it. And you least expect it. Oh, I didn't even see it. I didn't even recognize. I didn't even think it. And there it was. I, I, you know, I just kept coming. I just kept coming. I just kept. I just kept coming. And in a moment, the time I didn't even expect it. There wasn't no big woo ah feeling. Oh, just, I just was coming. And then one day when I wasn't even asking, speedily, he avenges. He heard you the whole time. It was the expression of your faith. This forming, I'm going to talk about kids for a minute. I'm not going to be long. I haven't forgotten children. I think we're okay right now. Watch. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And verse number four, listen what the scripture says. I know many of you can quote this, but I want you to see. We're going to go through just a couple, three verses here. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. That's so critical. That's called the Shema. Everything else in scripture hangs on that verse. The Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. It's called the Shema because the word here in Hebrew is Shema. Here. And you, you shall love the Lord your God. How should you love the Lord? You should love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. There's nowhere in that verse does the word half appear. Partial doesn't appear in that verse. Little doesn't appear in that verse. All, all, all appears in that verse three times. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. And, verse 6, and these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Verse 7. Now watch. I want you to notice this verse right here. Mom and Dad, you listening? Brother Rigo, Sister Denise, you listening? We're dedicating little Mateo today. And you shall teach them when you have opportunity, when it's convenient for you, when you feel like it. Oh, no. How should you teach them? You should teach them diligently to your children. That's a concerted effort. That's being intentional about it. That's making it a point. That's making sure they got it. You teach them. What are you teaching them? You're teaching them, Mateo. 
you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. You can't just say it. you got to do it. How do you teach? You teach by example. You teach by living. You teach by doing. If, if, if your children see you living for God with half your heart, don't be disappointed when they're living with half their heart for God. If your children see you serving the Lord with, you know, when I was younger, I'm still young, but when I was younger, here in church, there was sometimes I just did not feel like worshiping with any demonstration, lifting my hands, singing, rejoicing. But I remember thinking, Oh, no. This, this honest to goodness, this thought would come in my spirit at times. Oh, no, my kids are going to see how I do or don't worship. I don't want them to think there's any lack of love. Of, I, I want to love the Lord with all my might. I wasn't trying to put on a show, you understand. It had to come from my heart. But I wanted them. I can't, I, 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 no disclaimers today. I'm just trusting you receive this in the spirit it's being ministered. First, I would pray in my home. I, I, I'd pray sort of, you know, I, I want to be respectful. I'm up early in the morning. I don't want to. Man, that went out the window a long time ago. I decided, you know what? If I'm up and I'm praying, they can either sleep through it or if they wake up, they'll endure it. I just decided, see, one of my most precious memories, even though they were few and far between because we lived distant, but when we were home, home was Arkansas. When we were home, one of my most precious memories was in the morning and in the evening, my grandfather going into his room, shutting the door and me hearing him down the hallway, calling on the name, praying, calling out the name of the people. And so marked my life that I just decided, you know what? When I have kids, I want my kids to hear me. You say, well, does the Lord honor that? Are you talking to the Lord? Are you just trying to be heard of them? Both. Both. So I just decided. I, I, don't, I don't think I turned up the volume like intentionally. Most of you, if you've been around, you've heard me pray at times, and sometimes I can be sort of loud. I apologize if that distracts you. It's not my goal. But I just decided, I don't care if they wake up at 4 in the morning because Dad woke them up praying. I want them to hear something that tells them it's all my heart. Mom and Dad's, this was the commandment of the Lord. And you shall teach them diligently. You teach by doing. I'll never forget. One of my kids had a friend visit and stay in the home with us. I woke up early in the morning. I went to my place of prayer. At this time, when all my kids were home in the current house we live in, it was in the living room. 
Well, my daughter Autumn, her room was on the same floor. And so oftentimes my place of prayer would be right across from her wall. And there was a vent right there, so she probably got the brunt of it. She said, yep. But I remember we had that. They had one of their friends staying in the house. And so I was, I was like, oh, I'm trying to be careful. I told them later, I said, you know, since your friend was here, I tried to be careful in prayer this morning. I was trying to, you know, be respectful. And they made this statement. They said, Dad, I don't want you to. I was hoping they would hear it and it would touch them. We teach by example. Some things we do, and we do, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't mean exaggerate like exaggerate falsely, right? There's a, there's a way to exaggerate stuff, and it's a falsehood. But some things we exaggerate to draw attention to. Does that make sense? You make it bigger to draw attention to it. There are times, I believe, as a parent, we have to do that. We're magnifying something. Maybe that's a better word. We're magnifying something to draw attention to it. We want to make sure our kids see it. We're intentional about that. We should be intentional about that. I just decided... If there's church, we're going to be there. Our kids know we're going to be there. They're going to be in the prayer room with me. They're going to, well, why? I was just trying to teach them diligently. Just trying to teach them diligently. Every one of my kids, I remember, is he asleep? Will he stay asleep if I hold him? Oh, good. I'm so glad he looks like mom. <laughs> he sort of got some of dad's face, actually. I remember when mine were this size. Brother Ego, I'd go to church on Sunday in the prayer room. And I'd just pray like normal. <laughs> I love you, Lord. I magnify you, God. I can't do anything without you. You're the source of life. You're the source. Joey or Autumn or Ethan, whichever one was at that time, they were just hearing. Oh, you're the strength I need. You're the joy of my life. Give us wisdom because we can't do it without you, Lord. Can't tell you how many walks they took in that prayer room in Puyallup, each one of those kids. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you think you think nothing was getting in when they were that little? Oh, I promise you right now, the spirit of the Lord is putting things in this little boy when he stands or when he's sleeping in this atmosphere of worship and praise going up to God, this little boy is receiving something that God would put in his spirit because he's being exposed to the presence of God. Don't think for a moment, look, you want some scriptural evidence? 
Moses was found in a river in the Nile because his parents were putting him out so he wouldn't have to be killed. And he was put back in his mother's house until he was weaned. And we find in those few years that mom and dad put something in Moses' life that even though he was raised in Pharaoh's house, they couldn't take it out of him because there had been an impartation for mom and dad in a house of the one true God. They raised him in the fear of the Lord. And even as a young boy, they gave him up to Pharaoh's house. But Pharaoh's teaching, Pharaoh's schools, Pharaoh's language, Pharaoh's palace couldn't take it out of him. And Moses realized, I am not an Egyptian. I am a Hebrew. I've been chosen of God. What you put in this boy now. They say that a child's character is formed in the first five years of their life. How old is he today? Two months, three months, two and a half months. Two and a half months. If his character is formed in the first five years, it means you've only got 57 and a half months left. You've already lost two and a half. It moves quickly. It moves quickly. Today, they're two and a half months. Tomorrow, they're 22 and 25. And you're going, how did that happen? So you put into their life. 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 You put into. You sow the word of God. You sow prayer. You let them know church is more of a priority than sports will ever be. If you got practice on a church night, sorry, no practice. Tell your coach you can't be there. If that doesn't work, you're off the team. Ask my kids. That's how it was. Oh, we got a big game this week. It's the champion. What's well, on a church night? I don't care if you are the best player. It ain't happening. Why? Nothing is more important. Nothing is more important. Hear me. Please hear me. Your children are the only thing you can take to heaven with you. That's it. Invest eternally. 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 Moses is the greatest prophet that ever lived. And he wasn't even raised in his parents' house. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. You think it's rough for our kids going to public school. Can you imagine what Moses was exposed to in Pharaoh's house? How many gods Egypt had? All the learning that Moses went through of the Egyptians and the things that he was taught. But whatever mom and dad had put in Moses' life in those first few years, 
kept him. It kept him. I marvel when I see parents letting iPads babysit their kids for hours on end. Isn't he beautiful? He really is. First Samuel chapter one. You can read the story. I'm not going to today for sake of time. But we find in first Samuel chapter one, we find Hannah, who is the wife of Elkanah. Elkanah also has a wife, Penina. She has many children. Hannah had no children. And so Penina used this to provoke Hannah. Every time they'd go up to the house of the Lord, they'd take gifts. And Elkanah, the husband, would give gifts to the wife and each of their children to take and offer unto the Lord. Well, Hannah had no children, so this provoked her. And so she, but the Bible says we know that Elkanah loved Hannah more because it says he gave unto her a worthy portion and she carried on about not having kids. And, she, and Elkanah said to her, am I not worth more to you than many sons? And she said, give me sons or else I die. She goes into the temple in prayer and Hannah is there praying and she is so grieved, desiring a child, asks the Lord to give her a man child, the scripture says. She's crying out for this. And the priest Eli is sitting on a seat there and he looks and he sees her lips moving but doesn't hear her speaking and he thinks she's drunk or been drinking wine. He goes to rebuke her and she says, oh, not so, my Lord. But it is nothing more than sorrow of spirit or grief of spirit or something like that, the scripture tells. And she expresses herself and the priest Eli says to her, the Lord grant you your petition. Her prayer, she said, Lord, if you'll give me this child, I'll give him back to you. She vowed a vow, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me and not forget my handmaid, but will give to your handmaid a man-child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And Hannah you can look later in the scripture after he was weaned. Elkanah and the family went up to the temple of the Lord and she said, ah, I'm going to stay here with the child. I think that mother probably wrestled with her commitment. Not that she didn't want to see it through, but just that like, oh man, I don't want to, I want to hold on to this boy as long as I can. But when she'd weaned him, the scripture says she went up and she took Samuel to the temple. She went to the, the priest Eli and she said, I'm the woman that stood here before you and asked for a child and God has granted me this request. 
And she said, I'm returning him and I'm lending him to the Lord. I think the King James uses the word lent. And I have lent him to the Lord all the days of his life. As long as he lives. Notice she didn't make a partial commitment. She made a lifetime commitment for her son. And Samuel became the first and considered by Israel to be the greatest prophet they ever had because she returned him to the Lord. This is the dedication of a child. It's not a casual, well, hopefully that does something neat. That's pretty cool. I did it. I went through a little ceremony. Oh, no. It is a commitment as parents to the life of the child, the raising of the child in the fear of the Lord, and acknowledging, God, he's yours before he's mine. If you'll give me wisdom with him, we'll make sure he's yours all the days of his life. What greater gift can you give the Lord than your children? You've heard me tell some stories about things I've gone through in my life. I've looked back because of the challenges and the difficulties of my life, and I've come to know and believe I was kept by God. Because my mother made a commitment to dedicate me to the Lord. It wasn't just something she did in a service. It was a commitment of her heart when she dedicated me. I'm finishing here. I was angry with God a little while back. Not the first time. Hopefully the last, but... I don't know. I was a little angry with him. The Lord had asked something of me regarding one of my children. And I was agreeable. Well, that's not true. I, well, I agreed with God, but I did not like it. Okay. I agreed with God. But I was upset at his request. I just told him. I didn't tell him off. I just, we talk about stuff and I told him. God, I, I don't like that. I, I would like this. I, I was bothered by it. I didn't think it was fair that God would ask that of me of my child. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I thought you dedicated him to me so many years ago. Or was that just a ceremony? I repented. And I said, no, Lord, it was not just a ceremony. He's yours. 
Do with him as seems good to you to do. And I'll be thankful. Today we dedicate Mateo. Look at him like he's perfect. Probably because I'm holding. Mateo Ricardo Escalera. How beautiful is that? Mom and dad, why don't you come? I was thinking the thought passed through my mind today. A family came into the church that had children and they had been in the world and they had a baby while they were in the church and they dedicated that baby. And the mom came to me and said, I, I, I would like to dedicate. I think the child at the time was 10 or 11 or an older child. I said, let's do it. And we did. I don't know if it was weird or awkward for that older child, but we did it. It was beautiful. It's never too late to dedicate your children to the Lord. Doesn't mean you have to. I, I ain't picking up holding no 10 year old. I wanted to lay hold on some 10 year olds before, but I'm. We dedicate this baby today to the Lord. Rigo and Denise, you've heard what I've shared today. The greatest burden of responsibility for this child's walk with God rests on your shoulders. He'll be in Sunday school and they'll teach him. But all they're doing is supplementing what you're doing in your home. The church won't raise this boy. You too will. The church won't teach him to pray. You too will. The church won't teach him to love God and love people. You too will. He'll learn to love the church because you love the church. He'll learn to love other people because you love other people. He'll learn to speak well of people or ill of people because he hears you speak well of people or speak ill of people. He'll learn to forgive because you forgive or he'll learn to hold on to offense because you hold on. He's going to learn what you do. And whatever's in your spirit becomes a part of his. And so today with you, we dedicate. Can we stand together? Ask my wife to come. Amen. Maybe you guys could just come right around. I know they have some family here. I'd like if you're if your family here with this couple, I'd like you to come and stand in behind them today, please. Quickly, don't delay. we go. This is beautiful. Now the family affects the child as well. The shaping of this child. 
sisters, how you treat him? Uh, right answer. How you talk to him matters. Yeah. Ants, what you say to him and around him, and it affects him. A family raises a child. The burden rests with mom and dad, but the family raises the child. Interwoven parts. And so we dedicate Mateo today to the Lord. I believe the hand of God's on his life. So we're going to pray right now for him. Can we pray together for Mateo? In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you today for this boy. I pray the prayer of faith. I pray that you take him and use him for your glory. I pray his life be molded and shaped according to the will of God. That you be glorified through his life. That your name would be made great through his life. That his steps would be ordered of you. For the glory and the honor of God. We trust in you, Father. We trust in you. I pray for dad and mom today, right now. I pray by the power of the word of God, an anointing and godly wisdom. Father, let godly wisdom, wisdom from above, ego wisdom as a father. In your name, I pray, let their marriage reflect you. Let their relationships reflect you. Let their words reflect you. Let their example reflect you. Show them how you'd have them to walk. Give them wisdom in the raising of their son. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, your anointing. We don't know in our own abilities how to be the parents we ought to, but you know you're a good father. And so I pray grant wisdom to Rigo and Denise as they raise this boy in the fear of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We dedicate him to you all the days of his life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. If he wakes up screaming, you guys just witnessed it. <laughs> Thank you. Hear me. I didn't plan to do any of that this way today. Or knows. And while we were dedicating Mateo, it seemed like it was through the course of this service. I promise you, the things I've prayed and that we've prayed today for Rigo and Denise, we have prayed for every one of you that's a parent in this room. You're raising a generation it's quite possibly a generation upon whom the ends of the world will come.
The Bible tells us this, that there is a generation upon whom the ends of the world will come. Let me tell you what I believe. If, in fact, that is this generation, the Tomases and the Faiths and the Mateos and the Jaylenes and the Nikolais and the Benicios, the Judas. If this is the generation upon whom the ends of the world will come, this is the greatest generation in the history of the church. You think God wouldn't put the greatest evangelist ministers, men and women used and walking in the spirit on the earth in the last days. So moms, dads, pour into them. Pour into them. Stop listening to the adversary. Don't live in regret if you've missed the mark. Just start. Amen? We have a great gift in our children. We have a great gift. Amen. Could we thank the Lord together today before we go? Jesus, we thank you for your word, your goodness, your mercy. I thank you for the gift of children that you've given us. I thank you for the gift of children that you've given us. What a privilege to be a parent. On this Father's Day, we honor you, our Heavenly Father. We honor all of the dads here today. I pray grant Grant the dads in this room and part of this congregation, I pray, grant the dads wisdom from above. You are a good father. I pray, give us wisdom and instruction as fathers to take steps that please you and honor you in the raising of our children, the leading of them, the leading of our homes. And we thank you for it, Lord, and we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Happy Father's Day, dads. There may be, there may be some donuts for dads. I'm told that's what they're called, donuts for dads.